Amen. Now, I'll tell you what, every time, every time Morgan sings that line from the uh, You Won't Relent where she says, God, we don't want to talk about you like you're not in the room. No, we don't want to sing about you like you're not here. Um, and do you guys know that God is in this room right now? Do you know that? Like, like we haven't come today because we hope that God is with us. We think that God is, God is with us today. God is right here with us. And um, I just want to say before we dive into what we're going to do today, uh, we are... Uh, in the middle of praying, fasting for 40 days as a church, 40 days, for pr- 40 days for change is what we called it. We're praying that God would send revival to our lives, revival to our church, revival to this region. And, you know, I woke up this morning, and I was, uh, I was just praying about what we were going to talk about today, and I couldn't stop thinking about James 1, 22. It's not on the screen or anything, but James 1, 22, it just says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And I don't know why you came today, but if you came and you don't intend to do anything different, then you are deceived today, okay? Like if you just came, oh, well, church, we'll check it off, you know, let's go to Applebee's, you know, and like you don't plan to do anything different. Well, what are you doing, right? Like church is a lousy hobby to have. I mean, there's plenty of other things to do. Right? Like, if you didn't come because you didn't think that you could meet God here and God might have something for you, man, I'm just, I've just been praying for our church today that God would do something supernatural in this room. Isn't that what you want? I think that's what you want. I think that's what our church wants. And so we're going to pray, and I just want us to pray. I want you to pray as an individual and just say, God, I, I want to hear you today. I, wanna, I want everything that you have for me. I want you to do something in my life so that when this is over, it is impossible for me to stay the same. That's what I want today, okay? So, so let's just pray and let's, let's pour our hearts out to God that we wouldn't miss him today, all right? Let's pray. God, we don't want to miss you today. We don't want to just come and, and sing songs and talk about a being that maybe we believe it's millions of, millions of miles away, but not near us right now. God, you are in this room right now. And Jesus, we stand on that promise that where two or more people have gathered in your name, there you are in their midst. And God, what that means is when, when we come together in this room, something supernatural happens, and we do not want to miss that. We do not want to be so caught up in the drama of this past week, of the meeting and the deadline and the tests coming up. We we don't want to be so caught up in millions of other things that we miss the one thing that we need, and that one thing is you. And so, God, would you just calm our hearts? Would you calm our minds? Because, God, I think that you've got something significant for our church today. I, I think you've got something significant for the person that doesn't believe in you today, for the, for the person that's kind of on the journey and asking a lot of questions, wanting to know if you're real, I think that you have something significant today for them. And so God, would you do whatever it takes in the next few minutes we have together to speak 
Because God, when you speak, we are changed. Pray that nobody would hear me speak today. I pray that, that I wouldn't get anything from this today. Jesus, nobody needs me, but we all need you. And so God, would you just come and help us to see you right, right now in this room. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hey, let me ask you a question here. Where are all of my coffee drinkers at? If you're a coffee drinker, raise your hand. There we go. There we go. Some people who have not raised their hands, we need to pray for them. They have sin in their lives. We don't know if there's hope for you. All right? Co- now, I, I am addicted to, uh, to coffee. Now, let me ask this because, uh, let me ask this. Uh, where are the people, I mean, yeah, you're a coffee drinker, but straight black coffee drinkers. No cream, no sugar. You love it black, right? Raise your hand. Wow. Wow, you guys are like a superhero to me. You, you're like living on another level. I, don't, I can't do that. All right, you guys are the heroes, and I just want to be you. I I can't do that. See, when I drink coffee, I I can't tell. I've told people this before. I can't tell if I like coffee or creamer. I can't tell. Like, I don't don't know. I mean, I don't know. When coffee out there in the lobby, all all the wonderful flavors that you get to enjoy of creamer here at Summit, that's my doing. You're welcome, right? Like, I'm just, I don't know if I like creamer or coffee, but I just can't drink it straight black, man. I can't. I love coffee, but I have to put some creamer in there because what that does is it waters it down so that I can drink it. it it's not as strong as some of you like it. So, man, I, I just got to have creamer or something in there so it's not as strong to water it down a little bit. And, you know, we can water a lot of things down, right? I, I, you're, you're familiar with that phrase, right? When I use the phrase watered down, you're familiar with what that means, Right? If you, if you look it up, it's actually, there's a definition. You can find, if you look it up in the dictionary, the phrase watered down, it means to take something and make it weak. To, to take something and maybe lessen the value, lessen the strength of it so it's not as strong. And listen, we can water down anything. So a lot of people water down the church. So a lot of people water down the church to where they think that church is just an event that you come to. When in reality, the church was designed to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the world, a lot of people just consider the church an event. You come and watch the band. You come and watch the speaker, and then you go home, and that's what it means to be the church. No, that's not what it means today, okay? Or or we can even water down the Christian life. So for a lot of people, the Christian life means that they've prayed a prayer at some time in their life. Maybe they cried some tears in church. They're going to heaven. And until then, you just try to do more good than bad. You go to church, drop some money in a bucket, and listen to a dude yell for 40 minutes, right? And that's what it means to be a Christian for a lot of people. And I want to say to us today, that's not what it means to be a Christian, See, we are in today part four of a series called The Code, and I hope that what we've learned, what we are learning in this series is that the church is not an event that you come to. The church is really an army that's waiting to be released to the world to take the love of Jesus to a world that needs it, right? That's what the church is. And and so here's what we're doing today. Because today, I'll be, I'll be honest, I'll lay my cards on the table. This series is six weeks long. we got two more parts of this series after this week. This is the part I'm most excited about. I've been looking forward 
to the day, literally for months. And, 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 and honestly, everything we've done in this series and we're going to do for the next two weeks falls apart without today. Because we've talked about how the code for us as a church, and if today's your very first time, when we talk about the code, what we mean, you can think of it as core values. You can think of it as why we're here, what drives us. And so we've talked about how people matter. We've talked about how change is possible. Last week we talked about we is better than me. But today, I I, I promise today is kind of like the crazy glue. Keeps it all together. It's it's what holds everything together. And if you lose this, you lose all of it. And today, the big idea that I want to talk about is love in action. See, if you look at the Bible, when you look at the Bible and you try to do a study maybe on the idea of love in the Scriptures, love in the Bible is never a feeling. Love in the Bible always leads to something. It's never simply a feeling. It's never simply a feeling that you feel in your stomach. What happens is love might start with a feeling, but in the Bible, love always leads to action. Always. It's the most popular verse in the Bible, John 3.16, right? If you don't know John 3.16, you've probably at least been to a football game. It's 20 degrees below zero. There's a dude with his shirt off. John 3.16 on poster board, right? You've seen that, right? John 3.16, most popular verse In the Bible, you've heard it, if you don't know it by by heart, for God so loved the world, what happened? He gave, right? God loved, he did something. Jesus, Jesus' entire life, 33 years on this planet, Jesus' entire life was love in action defined. And then after he ascends back to heaven, Jesus starts the church in the book of Acts, which is what we're studying right now in our Sunday night Bible study. It ends tonight. And listen, if you haven't been to that yet, 6.15 tonight, I promise you, you want to be there. If you've missed it all, don't worry. Just come tonight, 6.15, right here in this room. But what we've been doing on Sunday nights is we've learned, we've discovered that Jesus started the church to be love in action. That we need to take the love of Jesus to the world. And so here's what I want to do today. I'm not going to stand up here. I mean, hey, we're turning four years old in about five weeks. Last Sunday of September, we turned four years old as a church. And listen, if you've been here for a little while, you've heard a lot of sermons from me about all the things we need to be doing in the world. You've heard a lot of sermons from me past four years about all the things that we could do, all the things that we need to do. Now, I'm not going to do that today. Today, I want to tell you three things that the Bible says are true about every Christ follower in this room, okay? I I want us to see three things that God says are true right now about every single Christian in the room today. And listen, if you are a Jesus follower, lean in for a second, check this out. If you're a Christian, you've got a decision to make today. Because some of you have been coming for four years. Some of you just started a couple of weeks ago. And what happens when we hear a lot of sermons is there are people in the crowd, your face says you're listening, but inside you're arguing with me why I'm wrong. Right? 
Oh, I couldn't do that. I'm too messed up. I, God couldn't use me that way. I've got too many problems. Oh, I, I couldn't do that. I don't know enough of the Bible. And so you listen, but inside you're arguing of why you're arguing why you're why you're the exception for what God says in His Word. And so I want to say, every Christian today, you've got a decision to make. And the decision you've got to make today as a Jesus follower is who is right about you? You or God? Who's right about you today, Christian? You or God? Because listen, as humble as we might think it is that when we hear sermons about how God wants to use our life, God wants to use you to make a difference. God's equipped you, saved you to make a difference. As humble as we might think it is to sit there and say, God couldn't use me that way. Listen, as humble as you might think that is, every time God says one thing and we tell him he's wrong, it's another way, we sin. Because we've just called God a liar. So Christian, you got a decision to make today. you got to decide who's right about you, you or God. Are you right? Or is God right? Because I want to show you today three things that God says about every Christian man, every Christian woman in this room today. No matter how young, no matter how old, Three things, and they all come from Ephesians chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. Turn it on on your phone to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. Hey, listen, if you don't have a Bible, you don't even have to act like you stole it. We're giving them away on the table in the back. Just grab one on your way out, okay? So Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And hey, if you've got the Summit app, you can take notes on the sermon in our app. I always want to say that, and a lot of you guys are doing that more and more every week. It's really cool to see you guys check that out. Ephesians 4, here we go, 11 and 12. Two verses, but I love these verses. Watch this. This is the Apostle Paul. Paul is talking to a church, the church at Ephesus. Watch this. And he, the he is God, okay? He, God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up, the body of Christ. Three things that God says to every single Christ follower in this room, me, you, all of us included today. If you're a Christian, God's got something to say to you. And the first thing that I want us to see today that God says to every Christian in the room is I am called. I am called. Just so that I'll know some of you have a pulse because right now looking at your face, I can't tell. Let's all say it together. I am, I am called. I am called. Called to what? Verse 12, look at what he says in verse 12 again. To equip the saints for the work of, what's the next word? Ministry. Called to what? Every saint is called to ministry. Now you're like, well, what's a saint? Here's what a saint is. A saint is not somebody that's passed away and now they've reached a level in eternity where they're perfect and we pray to them. No, 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 that's not what a saint is at all, okay? A saint is a Christian, period. Saints are not perfect people. Saints aren't people that have it all together. Saints are forgiven people. Are there any forgiven people in the house this morning? Anybody? Anybody? There you go. There you go. There you go. Saints are, are Christians. Saints are people who have a relationship with Jesus. Saints are people for whom Jesus has made the difference. Is there anybody in the house that Jesus made the difference today? they kind of excited Jesus has made the difference. All right, there we go. I love it. I love it. I love it. Saints are Christians. All right? Saint, it literally means to be set apart. If you're a Christian, you are set 
apart. And saints are set apart for a lot of things. But one thing is we are all Christians called to ministry. Now see, if you've got a church background, that's different from what you've experienced, isn't it? Because if you have a church background, who primarily does all the ministry? The preacher, right? The preacher does it all. Amen, praise the Lord, right? The preacher does it all. See, if you have a church background, the professionals do all the ministry, don't they? So you come and you sing some songs and you throw money in the bucket so the who can do the ministry. Professionals can do the ministry. We got this idea somewhere along the road in Christianity that only the elite are called. But is that what the Bible says? Answer is no. Is that what the Bible says? Hey, look at you guys. No, it's not what the Bible says. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that every Christian is called to ministry. See, in Paul's view, Paul, who wrote this book, you show Paul a Christian that's not doing ministry, Paul says something's wrong right there. Because every Christian is called. Now, every Christian's ministry is going to look different, isn't it? Every Christian's ministry is going to look different. It's going to look different for the teacher who just wants to love and invest in their students and they want to make a difference in their lives. That, minute, that teacher's ministry is going to look differently than the preacher's ministry. The preacher's ministry is going to look different from the construction worker whose ministry is he just wants to do his job well. He just wants to do his work with excellence. He's not going to cut corners. He's not going to try to do anything shady because he believes that if he does it right and if he does it well, he is bringing glory to God and spreading the good news of Jesus by just doing his job. That's a ministry. The church said amen that's a ministry the the ministry is going to look different for the teenager who is on the team sees themselves as a missionary on the team and their goal this season is to reach every one of their teammates that teenager's ministry is going to look different from the ministry of the stay-at-home mom who prays every day for their kids wants to model jesus for their kids or the businessman who just wants to model Jesus for his employees. It doesn't mean that you go to the office tomorrow and you make the office of Billy Graham rally. But it does mean that you go there and you do your job well and when people see you doing that, they say, why do you care so much? Why do you work overtime? Why do you make sure it's always done right? I'll tell you why. Because something happened inside of me. Everyone is called to ministry. But see, it all comes down to, are you going to answer the call or not? Hey, are you, guys, are you guys like me that before you answer the phone, you look to see who it is and see if you want to talk to them? Am I the only one? You pray for me. Maybe I'm the only one. I, but I don't think that I am, right? Remember the day, man, I, do you remember the days when it was like a gamble of who was calling you on the phone? You couldn't see the number and you're like, hello, you know, like using a foreign voice because you didn't know, right? Thank the Lord those days are gone, Right? Because now, every single time you call somebody, you've got the number right there, and the decision is yours. Do I want to talk to you or not? I know that I'm married to you, but I don't know right now. Right? So you've got a decision to make. When you, that phone rings and you look at the number, you've got a decision to make. Are you going to answer the call or not? Here's what I believe. I believe God is calling you right now. And there's a lot of you in the room, you've got a church background, you've heard messages like this, something begins to happen inside of you, you're connecting with this, some of you are even leaning forward, you're connecting with this at a really deep level, something is rising up inside of you, you've heard these messages before, it says maybe God can use my life, but then you give excuses for why you can't answer the phone. 
Here's an excuse I hear all the time. I don't know enough about the Bible. Mark, I would do something, but you know what? God can't use me. I don't know enough of the Bible. Did you know that Jesus didn't call pastors to follow him? He called fishermen. Did you know that Jesus didn't call Bible scholars or theologians to follow him? He called fishermen to follow him. Hey, if you're coming to the Sunday night Bible study, what are we learning? We're learning that the church spread around the world, changed the world, not through quote-unquote professional Christians, not primarily through Paul, Peter, James, John, and Ringo. Some of you are like, I ain't read that chapter. It's not in there. Don't look for it. The church spread in the book of Acts, not primarily through the professionals, but everyday Christians who just took Jesus with them everywhere they go. See, we've got to get out of our heads that, profession, that the professionals are the only ones who do ministry. No, God calls all believers to do ministry. We are all called. So the first thing that God says to you today, again, who's right? I don't feel called. Doesn't matter. Are you called? Yes. Feel it or not, you are. Why? God says it. First thing God says to every Christ follower in the room today is, I am called. Second thing God wants to say to us is, I am equipped. See, when Paul says that that God gives apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Christians do the ministry. Everybody is doing the ministry. When Paul says that, he's implying that inside of every single Christian is the Holy Spirit of God. That inside of you right now is the third person of the Trinity who was there at creation, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. If you're a Christian, he is alive inside of you right now. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13, Paul says that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. It means that once he's in there, you can't lose him. He is going nowhere. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, summit, but of what? Power, love, and self-control. The question is, do you believe that? Do you believe right now there is a supernatural power inside of you and his name is the Holy Spirit of God? Do you believe, do you believe that I am not alone on this stage right now? Do you believe that on this stage right now, there is a power at work coming from this stage, and it, is, it has nothing to do with me, but his name is the Holy Spirit? Do, do you believe? Do you believe that you are not alone in that chair today? But that the Holy Spirit is in you. I am telling you, not only are you, equ- are you called, you are equipped to do what God is calling you to do. Why? Because the Spirit is in you. The Bible's got this radical idea that the same Holy Spirit who is in the Apostle Paul is in you today. Holy Spirit's not in you 20%. No, he's not in you 50%. Holy Spirit isn't even in you 95%. The Holy Spirit is 100% inside of every believer today. He's inside of you right now. He's inside of you, and he's given you gifts and abilities that he wants you to use to make a difference. He's calling you, he's equipped you, and he's given you gifts to use. So the question that I get all the time when you have this kind of discussion is, Mark, how can I know the gifts that God's given me? How can I know the abilities 
that the Holy Spirit has put inside of me? Well, I'm glad you asked. Take notes. Three questions you can ask yourself right now, really quick, to help you discover the gifts that God has given you through the Holy Spirit. Here's the first one. What am I passionate about? What am I passionate about? Man, what fires you up? I've been here four years. Some of you, the look on your face, nothing fires you up, right? What fires you up, man? What, what gets you excited? Some of you, you're passionate, you're excited about exercise and nutrition, and you're like, well, you know what? That doesn't have anything to do with God. Did you know that the Bible says our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Maybe God's given you that passion because he wants, to you, he wants you to use that to make a difference in other people's lives. I've known people that from, from the time, they, as long as they could remember, they were passionate about traveling, passionate about maps, and passionate about things like National, Ge- National Geographic and all kinds of stuff. They met Jesus and years later became full-time vocational missionaries around the world. What are you passionate about today? Here's one, here's one, number two. Second question, ask yourself, what bothers you? And listen, if I had to rank these of importance, I'd actually put this one number one. What bothers you? What gives you a burden? What ticks you off? Hey, our our staff, our leaders here, I'm trying to to push on to all of us a a standard question, a, a standard question in response to the question that I get a lot of time, sometimes people will come to me and they'll say this. They'll say, Mark, why doesn't our church do this? And then they'll begin to talk about something. Mark, why don't you do this? Mark, why doesn't our church do this? Fill in the blank. They'll begin to talk about something. And listen, here's what I have started to say to people, and here's what I've told other people to begin to say to you when you say that. So when people come up to me, they say, Mark, why doesn't our church do this? My standard response now is because we've waited for you to start it. And a lot of people don't like that. But no kidding, no, I, know, I know that sounds like a really smart aleck answer, but let's think about it for a second. Why is it that you can't stop thinking about it and I haven't thought about it yet? Why is it on your radar and not on my radar? Why is it causing you to lose sleep while I'm sleeping like a baby? The answer might be because God is calling you to do something about it. Hey, listen, it doesn't even have to be anything in this church. You watch the news, you look at somewhere in this community and you get angry, something bothers you and you say, somebody ought to stand up for them. Somebody ought to go to them. Somebody ought to serve them. Listen, that burden could be the pathway to God's gifting in your life. What bothers you? Last question, number three. You want to you you discover the gifts that God's given you? Third question to ask yourself, what are other people saying I'm good at? What do other people in my life say that I am good at? When God called Elena and I to move back home and start Summit, we made a list of five people that we knew that loved us enough to say no to us, loved us enough to tell us the truth, and we made a list of five people that knew me for a long time, and I went to them and I said, you know what, I think that God is calling me to start a church. I've never wanted to do that. I've never took a class on it, and I've never read a book about it. Do you think that I could do it? And we said all five of those people knew us very well enough to say, knew, knew us well enough to know whether we should or not. We said all five of them had to say, yes, you should do it. And all five of them did. But here, here's the reason I tell that story. Is there anybody in your life that knows you well enough to know to point out how God is using you? To come alongside of you and say, hey, you know what? You're really good at encouraging people. 
Hey, you really care about people's needs. That's why we is better than me, and you should join a life group so that you can have people in your life to say, you know what, God is using you there. You should invest more time there. But make no mistake about it, you're called, and second thing that God wants to say to us is I am equipped because right now the Spirit of God is in me. Everybody say, I am equipped. Third thing that God wants to say to us today, and then I'll let you go home, is God says, I am sent. I'm called, I'm equipped, and I'm sent. This is basically, verse 12, this is basically the permission slip in the Bible. Paul says, God equips the saints for ministry, so go do it. Go and do ministry. And listen, I want to speak really honestly for just a minute, and then we'll wrap the sermon up. I want to be really honest with you for just a second. I genuinely believe that every Christian in this room is called and equipped for ministry right now. I genuinely believe it. I genuinely believe that the Holy Spirit of God is in every teenager who's following Jesus, and is, is in every mom, dad, is in every adult who has given their life to Jesus. He is in you right now. He's called you, he's equipped you, and he is sending you. And, and I, wanna, I wanna speak honestly to our church for a second right before we wrap this up and say, listen, if you today if you today would go to God and say, God, how do you want to use my life? God, how do you want to use my life? Number one, God loves to answer that prayer. And number two, as soon as God answers that prayer for you, as soon as he tells you what to do, I want to say to our church, go and do it. Don't wait for me to give you permission. Don't wait for me to come alongside of you and notice it. As soon as God speaks into your life, maybe it's in his word, maybe it's through another Christian, maybe it's through a series of providential occurrences where God's just opening doors around you and a burden is coming in your life, a passion to do it. As soon as God answers that question, this is what I want you to do. I want to give our church permission to go and do it. I just want to stand here today and tell you, some of you have Sunday night Bible study, I've said this, but I'm saying it again, I want to say it to our entire church. I feel like there have been times over these past four years that I've given you the idea that Christianity is an event on Sunday. And if I've done that, I repent and I'm sorry. Because this is not it, Summit. Did you know that? I need, I've got to get you to know that. This is not it. And God has been stirring this message inside of me for honestly the past year. And our church, listen, our church one year from now will not look the way it does right now. I pray our church looks totally different in 40 days. Mark, what do you mean? I don't even know what I mean. But I will say this. If there's one word from God that I know that God wants our church to hear, it's this one. God, from this point forward, I think God's always been doing this, but I'm, I'm slow to get on God's train, man. God is only going to grow Summit Community Church to send Summit Community Church out from, here for, from this point forward. God's only going to grow us to send us. So I want to give you permission to do what God is calling you to do. Listen to me. Somebody in this room is going to start the next nonprofit that's going to change the landscape of eastern Kentucky. You are going to do it. 
Somebody in this room, God's been giving you a burden and a passion to serve a segment in Perry County that nobody is serving because God's been waiting on you to do it. I want to say to you, I talk to people all the time, Mark, I feel called to be a teacher. Mark, I feel called to have this position at the bank. Mark, I feel called to this. I want to say that, listen, no matter what God calls you to, that is a significant calling. There is no substandard calling in the kingdom of God. What God calls you to, he's equipped you for. Run and do it. A few weeks ago on this stage, part one of this series, we talked about, I'm looking at Mark Applegate right there. We talked about what Mark Applegate and how God, God is using him up there at Walkertown. Every single Monday night at six, we went to VBX. We did VBX at Walkertown. God's using him every single Monday night at six. He's leading the Bible study. Lives are being changed. We believe God is calling us to go to every single apartment complex like that in this city. Liberty Street, Cherokee Hills, Gorman Hollow and any that I might be forgetting, we believe that God wants us to go there and do the exact same thing. They might never come to us. We gotta go to them. We gotta go. And I wanna say, if when I say that, something rings inside of you, says, that is me, I wanna talk to you today. Hazard Community College. You talk about a field that is ripe for harvest. The college barely a mile away from where we are right now. We've been praying. We've even had meetings with leaders up there at the college about starting something right there. You know what we need to start something up there? A student who would say they'd lead it. If you're a student at the college and you would say, God, I'll let you use me up there, I would love to have a conversation with you before next Sunday. Because I believe God wants us to go, and it might be through you. Start life groups in a couple of weeks. Here's what I've been praying. Some of you, uh, several of you, you live in Phoenix Place, uh, Elk Run, uh, all, all subdivisions where there's a lot of houses, a lot of neighbors. Some, some of you live in the same subdivision. I've been praying that God would give people a burden to start something. Might be a life group, might be a Bible study, but start something right there in your neighborhood, wherever you live, to reach your neighbors. You want to do that? You want, you want to get that started? Listen, I would love to talk to you just to see if God would burn a passion like that inside of your life. But listen, maybe God is leading you to do something that won't increase the bottom line of this church at all. To serve people, to go to people that will never come to our church, that is fine. Amen? Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we are about the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Summit. Those are two separate things, all right? In fact, listen to me. I would love to talk to you if you believe God's doing that because our church might want to give you some money and fund you even though our name might never be on it. We just believe in what God is calling you to do. We want to release you to do that. So you, God's given you a passion and a burden for people that don't even live in this city, in this county, in this region, but it's another region. It's another area. You can't stop thinking about them. You can't stop praying for them. God might be calling somebody in this church to be a church planter and start other churches. I would love to talk to you so that we can raise you up and send you out. Listen, I'll lay my cards on the table. For the past two months, I've been praying almost every single day that God would pick a family out of Summit Community Church and call them to leave this country and become full-time vocational missionaries and live in a country they have never been, but God gives them a passion to reach a people group, and they have got to go, and that God would pick a family out of this church, and they would go. 
all that to say, if you've been thinking about switching churches, now might be a good time because God might pick you. And listen, if he's picked you, it's too late. It's too late. Maybe God's given you a passion for that family that lives down the street and they don't know Jesus, and it's time this week just to invite them over for dinner. But I want to release you. I want to give you permission. You don't need my permission, but here's what I want to say. I, we can't have where the ministry of this church is in the hands of a few people. It needs to be in the hands of all of us. And we are all going in Jesus' name. And listen, listen, listen. Before you sit there and give me every excuse of why you're too young and too old and too messed up and too scared and don't know enough and don't have time, let me read you two verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 14, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, watch this, that those who live, that's us, might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Do you know what that means? What that means is this. The love of Jesus in my life should naturally cause me to say, if that is who you are, I am done living for me. If I can be that forgiven, if I can have a relationship with you, if you died for me, if you have set me free, Jesus, I am trading in the American dream for a kingdom dream today. Isn't that what you want? That is what God is calling us to do. So here's the invitation and we're done. Do you have enough guts, Summit, to go to God and say, God, whatever you want to do through my life, do it. You don't even know what he's going to say. (laughs) That's nervous laughter. Some of you are like, the preacher's crazy. I know. You don't even know what he's going to say. But if it means more of you, I'm in. If it means more of Jesus Christ, I'm in. Do you have guts today to go to God in just a moment and genuinely say, God, whatever you want to do with my life, Because one life surrendered to God can make more of a difference than any of us could ever imagine. Father, we ask all of this in the name of your Son that you would help us to see that we are called, we are equipped, we are sent. You have saved us so that we can live nice lives and then go to heaven. You have saved us to send us out and it is time to go. The Holy Spirit who's living inside of us right now, God, he is roaring like a lion. He is wanting us to say, God, here I am. With all of my issues and with all of my problems, with all of my mistakes, inconsistencies, God, I don't know enough of your word, but God, here I am. And I am in. God, I pray that nobody feels guilt in this room. We don't want a guilt-driven sermon. We don't want a guilt-driven church. We want a grace-driven church. I pray that your grace is so strong and so compelling that we would say, Jesus, whatever you want, that's what I want. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, don't, please don't do this. Please don't do this. Unless Jesus Christ is moving in your life right now. Please don't feel pressure. I don't even know if anybody will do this. 
with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you are here and God has moved in your life in the past 20 minutes as we've been talking, if you're sitting there and saying, and the genuine prayer of your heart this morning is, God, whatever you want to do with my life, I'm in. God, use my life however you want. If that is the genuine prayer of your heart today, I'm asking you to stand up right now to your feet. Stand up right now if that's you. God, whatever you want to do with my life, I'm in. Go ahead. Stand up. You stand up. People are standing. Just stand right there to your feet. God, whatever you want to do with my life, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Just stand to your feet. God, I pray for every single man, woman that's on their feet right now. God, I pray that they would dream, that they would pray, that they would pray. That lives would be different, that this community would be served like never before, that the kingdom would expand. Jesus, whatever you want from our lives and through our lives, is what we want. God, I pray that nothing would hold us back. I pray that no excuse would hold us back. No fear would hold us back. Continue in a spirit of prayer. You're setting, you're standing. You just begin to express to God, God, this is where I'm at. God, whatever you want, God, I want. God, I've got this issue in my life. If you need, if you need to confess sin to God today, you do that. God, whatever you want from me, I want it. You just begin to pray right now. And, and as we're in the spirit of prayer, I want to say, I can't use your life until he has your life. If you are here today, you are not a Christian. What is stopping you from giving your life to Jesus today? The answer, nothing. He died for you. He's alive for you. He's ready to forgive you right now. All you need to do is come. And I'm going to pray a prayer. If you want to be saved today, I invite you to pray this prayer silently right there where you're at. This is not a magic prayer. This is not a free ticket to heaven. But this is you making the biggest decision of your life to say, Jesus, I am done following me. I want to live for you. If that is where you're at today, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me right now. I give my life to you. I surrender my life to you today. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Help me to follow you to the best that I can. In Jesus' name. Everybody just stay where you're at. Nobody's looking around. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, I want you to raise your hand just to indicate, Mark, today I gave my life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. Today's the day you surrender to Jesus. Just go ahead and raise your hand. Raise it up high so we can see it to celebrate with you. And listen, if you prayed that prayer, you made that decision, I want you to look at me right now. Just look at me. Just raise your head up and look at me right now. Listen, hey, don't leave today. Don't leave today till you tell somebody what you did. All right? The back of that connection card, there's a spot that says, I gave my life to Christ. Check that box. Okay? Give that to one of these volunteers on your way out. Take it to the uh, welcome table. But let somebody know today the decision that you just made. Father, I thank you that Jesus is alive. I thank you that, God, we get the privilege of knowing him. God, as we depart and as we go into the world, I pray that what compels us this week is, God, that we are loved by you. God, you love us. So, God, I pray that we would see the world the way that you see the world. And, God, that we would never be the same 
from today. That God, you would help us to know this week we are called, we're equipped, and we're sent. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Church, let's thank God for today. Let's thank God for today. Hey, listen, let's all stand to our feet. Let's all stand to our feet. Guys, thank you so much for being here today. Next week, part five of our series, The Code. Hey, we love you guys. Middle school, high school students, want to invite you to our student building tonight at 6 for Storm. Make sure you're there to check it out. Guys, God bless you. You're dismissed.